Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined tonight, most of you are probably listening in the morning, uh, with Peter Drackley. Peter Scott Drackley. Peter Scott Drackley. Only professionally. Yeah. <laughs> to, to your friends, you Peter Drackley. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what made you decide that Peter Scott Drackley needed to be your professional name? Honestly, I just like the rhythm of it. Yeah. You know? No, it's really good. Peter Drackley is, you know, two two syllable, two syllable. You know, Peter Scott Drackley. It has, you know, yeah. a lilt to it, if I may. I think you're on my phone as Peter Scott Drackley. Nice. <laughs> and that's, professional AF. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 10 years of friendship. With I'm him. thinking about professionally changing my last name to J-O-H-A-N-S-S-O-N. Okay. Because like, is... I want to lean into being Swedish. Did I have yeah. not do this yet? No, but... I texted my... Shout out my dad. I texted my dad about this. And I was like, do you know if our last name was ever two S's? And he was like, sorry, no. And I was like, but it'd be cool. And he's like, no. <laughs> you know, I had a conductor once tell me that I need to change my name to yeah. an Italian name because I look so Italian. I right. mean, everyone can see that on this radio program. But um, <clears throat> I, uh, I look very, I, I am Sicilian. And, Aren't uh, you from Sicilian royalty, like way back? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my parents tell me this. Hopefully, it's true that they were the baron. My in my family were the baron and baroness of Sicily, and uh, the mafia was killing the children, so they escaped. Nice. So there's that. <laughs> I like the idea of like, well, the mafia is killing the children, we so we gotta probably, probably get go. out of here. <laughs> but <laughs> that's my of... main reason for leaving Sicily. Sure, was yeah. that the mafia was killing the children? Right. I mean, I mean, you remember. Yeah. Right. On the note of the um, me constantly plugging this pizza show on YouTube that I keep watching, uh, there's a great segment on Sicilian pizza. Yeah. Um, especially on Long Island. But do you have a favorite Sicilian pizza? I will eat the... any pizza. I will eat dumpster fire Domino's, or I had pizza when I was in Milan and Rome, and it was fantastic. But I am not a pizza snob. I go for pizza in any shape or form in my mouth. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Great. Cool. Well, Peter Scott Drackley, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, but you are a tenor. I am. Um, We're in Milwaukee right now. We are. We are in my mom's dining room, Um, which actually, so I'm going to tell. So Peter and I are friends from college. We met um, our freshman year in the dorms. We were dumpster fires together. Yes, we were. (sighs) And um, (laughs) we actually, okay, I'm going to do two anecdotes. Mm. The first is about... Our friendship in its earliest carnation, which is when we decided to partner up for our first semester um, Italian class final, where we had to write a dialogue, and we were like, "Nay, nay, for we shall write a recit," <laughs> and we did, oh, and dear. we remember some of it. Yeah. And so, without further ado, oh god, here we go. <laughs> Buongiorno Elisabetta, desideri venire con me ad una festa e un ballo in maschera. Oddio, dov'è questo ballo? All'appartamento di Giulio. Quanti anni ha? Di dove? Ha 22 anni. That's all I remember. I Nailed it. It was great. Um, Nailed it. I think we got an A on that portion. Yeah. And that was the only portion of that class that we got an A in. That's right. I think you'll all forgive us for not video recording that and putting it up as a copy studio. <laughs> it would have right? been a 15-second little blip. Of perfection. Of perfection. Of perfection. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, so that was, so that's like, you know, how long we've been friends. But yeah. a funny story about this dining room is that <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Peter... 
our friend Tyler Lee and I got. Who's ex- been on the show? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got extremely drunk. I never room. drink. What are you talking? Got about? extremely drunk in this <laughs> dining room and for about an hour <laughs> sang a song that went screaming, screaming in, in the, the dining, dining room. Screaming, screaming in the, the dining room. I appreciate that that made the audio crackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and it wasn't it that your mom was home too? And yeah, she was, she like, was like, it was like two sleep. in the morning. Yeah. And she was like, surely they have to stop soon. Yeah. But and we, we did not. No. We did not. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, <laughs> I know one of the th- reasons we were also really excited to have you on is um, is because you do keep so busy as a professional singer. I try. Um. And one of the things we were also talking about is how interesting it is to have spent, you said it was four years, mm-hmm. singing with pretty major houses mm-hmm. and to kind of like have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have been consistently working yeah. uh, for four years uh, just singing. Right. Uh, some of the, in the earlier part of those four years, I, I had a church job. As many musicians do, singing in the choir, uh, and then eventually I was working so much and traveling so much, I just couldn't have one. No right. choir director would have me, so I would just sub in occasionally and um, and take the performances. This year I was gone, uh, starting last May until this May. I was gone about nine months out of the year, which was just delightful being in a relationship doing that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I can imagine. So I, that's actually one of the um, one of the other things I really wanted to ask you about is one of the things we talk a lot about with people, and we, especially when we talk with other people from different genres of of, uh, of art making, um, where we talk a lot about like what does the prescribed path for your subculture look like? Um, and I know for opera, we've kind of had a chance to talk about it more, but. Um, but I think when someone like me, for example, that um, knows you from a couple times and uh, I've just seen your work, like I, I think people like that look at someone like you and go like, oh, he's he's living the like he's doing what we all wanted to do when we were sophomores, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question for you is, how uh, how is it similar to like your dream, and how is it different? Well, I mean, I don't I don't think that I've. In a sense, I've hit my dream, and in a sense, I haven't. You know, right. we we all have aspirations for you know singing at the Met or La Scala or something right. like that. So I'm I'm always pushing myself to get to the next step, the next opera house, the next big performance, the next big role. Um, I can say one of the things that I love about this is the travel. I love being able to see different places. I spent the winter in Sarasota, Florida, avoiding any type of snow. Uh, I was in Anchorage, Alaska in October, and one time I woke up at 2 in the morning and looked out my window, and there were the northern lights just right outside of my window. That was pretty cool. Um, And I have to say, one of the things that I absolutely hate about this career is the travel. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a wonderful partner. He is everything to me. And it... It just fucking sucks to be away nine months out of the year. Yeah. You know? You just want to be at home, cuddling in bed, but you can't. So, luckily, we have Skype and FaceTime, and that makes things a lot easier. Um, But, you know, even just the traveling, it's fun. I love to fly. I'm lucky that I don't get sick or or terrified on flights, which is great. But it it wears you down, you Mm -hmm. know? I, I fly out 
to the flight to Alaska was endless. Um, How long was it? Oh, I had a layover. I think it took me about nine hours to get there with the layover. Mm. Um, I think all total it was like six and a half, seven hours yeah. of just flying. But even just sitting at the airport is. Ugh. And, and then, like, there's a different daylight set up there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, what is it, like, probably 18 hours of sunlight or something like that? Um, when I got there, it was dark a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's the other way, right? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Like, well, and I mean, like, in Chicago, there is that period of time where for, like, a week, we get, like, eight hours of sunlight. And even then, it's like, I feel like all the people I know that aren't from Chicago originally are, like constantly suffering with depression and Mm -hmm. well it's crazy the further north you you go because i did a summer program up in northern michigan which Mm. isn't that far from here but it's in a it's like it's in like a different growth zone Mm -hmm. so like crops grow differently and um and allergies are different and i suffer from allergies this summer this uh winter i was in uh sarasota like i said and I found out that I am allergic to red tide, which is a type of algae. Mm. And growing up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I had no contact with red tide. Why would I? Um, but it's some. I mean, I I was done. I completely lost my voice from it. Mm-hmm. It just it gets picked up in the wind, and you breathe it in, and you're screwed. Yeah. As a um, I already have now like two other tangents we could potentially go on. As a like a as person who sings and travels for their income. Um, what does like, and tell me this is like too personal of a question. Like, how, what does healthcare look like? Like, do just you, dreadful. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd imagine. Like, I mean, because uh, there's like no infra. Is there an infrastructure in place for that? Even uh, like, not really. It's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. You just kind of hope, right? Or you go to you know a patient first, and you have to shell out the money. Right. Luckily, I know a lot of of remedies for things when when things aren't when I, I'm not dealing with something too, you know, mm-hmm. critical. Like if I get a, you know, just an allergy flare up, I have the medication that I turn to and I know what to do. Uh, I know how to get my voice back if I lose it um, without having to resort to taking steroids or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, if I get a sinus infection or, you know, God forbid, like pneumonia or something like that, something yeah. that I need or an antibiotic. Or like a bodily injury? Like- yeah, I've been, I've been pretty... I've been pretty lucky about that. I had a, a knee issue uh, two summers ago in Utah, and I had it's called a patellar subluxation, where one it, the knee just pops out. We have the same thing. We have the Friendship. same thing. Knee buddies. Yeah. Knee terrible knee buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I've had that since I was in seventh grade. It's awful. Well, it just happened to me, just like out of the blue, right there. And I was I was really into. Uh, lifting back then i was doing a lot mm. of squats and stuff like that and it just whoop right out uh the day after opening night we were at brunch and i just fell down and i looked down at my knee and it wasn't where it was supposed to be so i popped it back in so i'm a russian sleeper agent so, <laughs> but cool. yeah that's you know went uh, and i went to the patient first and they said wrap it and wear a brace now pay us 300 bucks. That's the thing with those. <laughs> there, you can just walk in without insurance and get coverage, but they're fucking expensive. Not oh. coverage, but take, get taken care of. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. They're, it's ridiculously expensive. Yeah. I spent, you know, I when I lost my voice, I went to just check it out, and it was 150 bucks right there that I mm-hmm. could have spent on stuff for me. The worst is when you go, and then they're like, well, there's not really anything we can do. 
It's like, but but also give us a hundred dollars. Yeah. It's like, uh, what? okay, <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them ask you to pay up front. They don't. Yeah. They don't bill, which sucks. Yeah. Um, the other thing before we started recording, we were talking about too is um, is Agma, and I know that's a conversation we've started having on the show, um, but. We don't know a ton of people that are in I mean, we know a few. Um, and then uh, we've talked a ton with, actually, Ryan is in the uh, is in the living room over here. Hey, we talked a little bit with Ryan about equity. Um, but um, but as a, uh, I'd love to hear from you as a person who uh, makes so much of your income from being a traveling singer. Um, how has Agma really worked for you? Like how, what are the things that you're thankful to it for? Well, um... I don't have a lot of AGMA, a lot of union jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting out, I'm, I'm working with a lot of non-union companies, um, which is great. You know, that's where you, you know, you really get your, get your grounding, get your, your real life training. Right. Um, this summer, this will be my second summer with uh, Santa Fe Opera. And uh, as part of the Young Artist Program, you understudy roles and you sing smaller roles and you... Um, you sing in the chorus and so basically we we have an agma chorus contract Mm. so we are getting paid as choristers and if you go on in small roles then you get an extra fee per performance uh the thing that really really helps us and and really makes us feel like we are um we are being we 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 are God, I can't talk. No, no. Uh, we we are prof- it makes us feel professional is we um we get overtime. If we are there um past a certain time and we have to have a full it's either 10 or 12 hours before we start rehearsals again in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if we start before that, we get overtime hours. Wow. It's it yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's super interesting to me because um I mean, where so as a soloist does representation ever happen like union representation ever happen or it does not as much i'd say uh in my experience at least uh yeah. and i have limited experience singing as a as a principal artist right under an agma contract and that's just because of my age and my um my my experience um they you know the probably like 12 hour rule thing is something Mm. that's of particular interest to me because um, I am pretty much just casually a singer at this point. Um, And I work mainly in restaurants. And Mm -hmm. so something that uh, restaurant employees are always striving for is the 12 hour rule where um, it's it's to avoid clopening, which is where you close and then you open. Yeah. Um, and I think it's fantastic that uh, that in performing, like standardized performing mm. and in like represented performing, that that rule instituted because it takes the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah. it really does. It like it it not only does it like ruin the whole next day, but it ruins your night when you get home. Right. Cuz you don't really turn off from the day that you just had. Right. 
and and you know it especially with with singing and singing operatically we we need the time to rest absolutely and if we are in rehearsal if we go from you know say a dress rehearsal the night before for one of the operas and then we go into rehearsal for two of the other operas two of the five other op uh, two yeah dress rehearsal for one of the five operas and then rehearsing for two of the other five operas the next day I mean that's exhausting, yeah. and you you don't want to get to the end of your week and get to your day off and just you know barely Sleep. be able to talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's that's super interesting to me because I know um, Chicago is unique in that it has so many grassroots and and kind of um, smaller but putting up interesting things uh, performance outlets, mm-hmm. um, and in that. Uh, there are initiatives to kind of try and figure out some kind of union representation for people that are singers. Like, I know that's something that um, CVAC is talking about doing. The Chicago, the Chicago Vocal, Vocal Arts Consortium. Consortium. It's, it, I think it's important. I think yeah. it's important to, even if you are not a union company, to run your company as a union company. Give your singers mm-hmm. the chance to um, to recover, to be able to sing the next day in the, in the rehearsal, especially if if you aren't able to pay them a livable wage, which mm. is understandable. I have, I've certainly worked with smaller companies that haven't been able to just with budgets right. just, and fundraising. It happens. Yeah. Um, I, and you know, when I was younger, I certainly did my, my share of free performances. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of them, I still list on my resume because mm-hmm. it was such an incredible role and such an incredible experience. Right. Um, but you have to treat your singers like professionals and Absolutely. with and with respect yes mm-hmm. like like prof, you know like professionals and with respect and respect respect of their time respect of their talents mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. no i think that's something that we talked about a lot with um with on the most recent qio with nicole bessa where it's not like people are are choosing to be underpaid you know it's not like i'm going to a, a thing that i know like if you are most like most likely if you're working a company that's not able to afford to pay you the reason you're not getting paid as much as you deserve is is because they can't afford to mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's a really important distinction um because yeah i don't i don't think that we would i don't we wouldn't choose to be underpaid and i, I think there's i've like heard that as a notion of like well singer like artists will work for free or, or create for free and it's like kind of but not not by like not because they like it has it. to be an extra it would ha- it has to be like an extraordinary circumstance where an artist would feel like this is it like me working for free right now is something that i feel really good about yeah. it has to be worth it yeah right. at the end of the day it has to be worth it mm-hmm. uh if whether it's you know artistically worth it you know, it, it, it's great to say, oh, artists will work for free for experience. Well, what kind of experience are you bringing? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not a great experience, then they're going to walk out without a contract, without any uh, any anything to hold them there financially or anything like that. You know, if you're going to treat them, if you're going to be a dick to your singers, they can mm-hmm. easily walk away. Hmm. Um, what I- if... Oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to change the topic. Were you going to continue on this track? No, I was also going to change the topic. So. Just throw both topics at me and I'll talk about both <laughs> mm-hmm. at the same And go. Um, um, no, so I, when. I've, no, okay. <laughs> um, I'm actually interested. Um, so something that Daniel and I have in common is that we do not come from musical families. Okay. Um, I, you know, my, my dad played in a bluegrass band, but he is the really the only musical member of the family. Um 
And Daniel does not come from music at all. No, and I mean, my parents didn't go to college. Their parents didn't go to college. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, however, you come from an extremely musical family. I and do I'm indeed. And I'm wondering if you could talk on that and talk on how that has influenced how you view kind of your life trajectory and like like your your goals and your you know all all of that sure uh well my father is a pianist and conductor and my mother is a soprano um they met because my mother was looking for an accompanist for her recital and she hired my dad and the rest is history and then here i am um (laughs) My mom tells this story all the time, and she'd kill me if she listened to this and didn't hear this story. Yeah. Um, my first operatic experience... Shout out Peter's mom. Yeah, shout out Peter's mom. <laughs> shout out Phyllis. Um, uh, my first operatic experience was in the womb. My mother was singing The Sandman and Hansel and Gretel and when she was pregnant with me, and she said I would kick when the timpani would play. So, yeah. And I, I grew up, you know... I sang in the chorus for Marriage of Figaro when I was like, I don't know, like six or something. And, um. You were a mall? I was a mall in Manati's A Mall and the Night Visitors with my mother singing The Mother. Um, and, um, uh, my mother also tells the story, shout out Phyllis, um, <laughs> that she'd be learning the Countess in Marriage of Figaro and I would be correcting her words or I would sing the Susanna part with her. So that she, it would help her learn because I would show up to rehearsals and I would know everybody's part and my dad would sit me on his lap and have me and hold my hands and have me conduct. So it nice. was always my life, you know, if we weren't listening to opera, we were listening to Schubert Lieder, which is uh, my, my mother's, uh, one of my mother's great loves. Uh, her entire master's recital was Schubert Lieder. Um, her favorite singer was Ellie Amling, mm. and so she really loved that that whole type of singer who right. loved. She loves recitals, putting recitals together, mm. and she still performs recitals. Um, so yeah, coming from a musical background was amazing. I, you know, my brother sings, and he he likes barbershop quartets and acapella groups and stuff like that. But he uh, he fixes computers. Um, but that's fine because he has the granddaughter, so there's no pressure on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a nice give and take. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, there was no rebellion. There was no, um, no, I'm going to fight this. I'm not right. going to do what you do. No, I loved it. I, I was, that's actually what was going to be the next question is like, yeah. So it, was it a pretty natural progression from, being the kid singing them all into oh yeah you know and i i did what what a lot of kids do when they're in high school they do the 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 plays and the musicals and i i thought maybe i could do musical theater i love musicals Mm -hmm. i still love musical theater i'm dating a musical theater singer i still i love it um but uh, really as i as i studied with my mother who was my first voice teacher and then i studied with her teacher um they they really helped me see that I I have a more operatic voice and you know and I guess that was my rebellion I, I even through college I would fight against it and be like well maybe I can do musical theater but I can't really dance I mean I I can move but 
Yeah. I'm not, you know, that great at it. Um, it's all about having a turn. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out again to Matt. I don't know why I keep bringing up Matt's episode, but he, like, we did a um, dance class for operatic singers. Mm-hmm. He, like, like talked some, uh, this uh, fucking uh, Jane Lanier, who is, like, a Broadway star turned uh, Chicago teacher into giving us, like, there was like 15 of us that paid her each $10 for like a two hour session. And that's, she was just basically like trying to hammer into a bunch of opera singers how to turn, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, uh, that was, yeah. that was my rebellion was maybe wanting to do musical theater, but you know, I joke that I'm an idiot savant. I, mm-hmm. I got, no, I got nothing else. This is it. This is well, my, the other, the other love, thing I was this is my passion. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. You off. Um, the thing I was going to ask you is, uh, did you, you were saying that as a kid that you like were able to sing all of the parts. Has that changed? Like, have, have you, has it like, do you still come into rehearsals? Like pretty, is it still pretty easy for you to, here's the question I'm trying to ask when at being, uh, so <laughs> around opera for your childhood and for mm-hmm. your, uh, formative years, has it made like learning a role easier do you feel or do you think like once it started becoming like your career in a uh, way yes in a way no yeah you know i i always walk away from rehearsals humming everybody else's parts but if you could ask me to remember my own line sometimes yeah no what is that like i don't know it's somebody should study an opera singer's brain because we just uh, that always happens to me except in like in chorus rehearsals uh where I'll look at my part and then I'll hear like the bass part or the alto part and I'm like why is their part so fucking easy and my part is the hardest damn thing ever and I'm sure all of the other sections are thinking the same thing about mine but I can so easily I can so easily like sight read the alto line but my own part I'm like "Uh." yeah no I don't know maybe it's because we're focusing or trying to focus on one Mm. thing and you know, then our brains want to pick up anything else. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, w- when I went to college, um, I was discovering obscure bel canto or obscure Verdi role, uh, Verdi operas when I had friends who were going, Hey, have you heard of this Tosca? Mm. Wow! How about that? Yeah, I'm like yeah, I've heard. And you're that. like low key looking at Stefalio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like Rake's Progress. Oh, yeah. cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's just you know it it was a blessing and a curse. It mm. set me up to to have all this knowledge, but when you have that knowledge and you try to go to a class where you are being taught things that you learned when you were 10 or 11 Mm. without really knowing like the proper names for them or anything like that but you just it clicked it it just became such uh, almost a physical just like thing for me i just Mm -hmm. could do it yeah then to have a teacher sit there and explain it to you in these technical terms it's almost like you know, my body was was resisting it. I was, you know. Well, and that actually leads really well into probably my my second favorite Peter fact. My first favorite Peter fact is that you know three ways to kill a chicken. Yes, I do. 
that is my first favorite Peter fact. My second favorite Peter fact is that you do not have a college degree. I do not. That is my dirty little secret that everybody knows. <laughs> I don't think it should be. A, I think there's so much of a stigma about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not about you specifically, but just like generally, like so you have to have a college degree to have like a successful career in anything. And it's like some people school just doesn't work for some people or or they couldn't even spend six years in a school and it could work for, instance, for those for six instance. for instance <laughs> for those six years and then all of a sudden at the end it could not work like um uh jessica ann who is now like a published author and we had her on the show didn't finish school her, yeah, the first with like, time with like a semester left she or She's like, like a credit it. left she just just like she just got on a greyhound bus and was like, I'm done here. No. My work here is done. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it happened to me. I was I was working and working and I just I was I'm I'm very thankful to Peabody because they gave me a lot of performance opportunities and it was great. But getting up the next day for that damn ten AM theory class was the hardest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Especially when uh, you're somebody who knew the theory in such a different way like i just i could feel what would happen with the music right. I didn't, and and then to sit there and try to analyze it would just make me just furious yeah because it would take it would take some of the magic away from me yeah um but i i got a performance uh, i got a contract in connecticut i sang uh borsa in rigoletto and covered the duke with a small company in Connecticut. And so I was gone for a month and a half. And so I dropped out for the semester. And I thought, well, okay, I'm, I'm gonna leave. And I'm gonna come back. And so I auditioned for the opera in the fall for, they were doing Lakme at Peabody. And um, I auditioned for that with every intention of coming back in the spring. And I got done with the contract in Connecticut. And I got back to Baltimore and i looked at you know signing up for classes and all that and i couldn't do it i just stared at that piece of paper i stared at that no it was a computer screen stared at that computer screen sign up for classes no why why am i doing this again yeah you know and why should you have to well you know at the time i got a lot of shit for it right but (laughs) um uh with a lot of luck and persistence, I, I, and and a lot of hope that it doesn't come and bite me in the ass later. Uh, I I keep moving forward. Yeah, I remember that time. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people being like, "Can you believe the Peter is fucking dropping out? He doesn't even have a goddamn college degree. Like, what's he gonna do?" Which I'm sure you also heard. And mm-hmm. but here you are through fucking piss and vinegar well and what's so what's so cool to me is that at the end of it you didn't like did you get some damn job ever during that period or did you just work you know (laughs) i worked for hmm like maybe a month maybe a month and a half tops Mm -hmm. at a barnes and noble and it is the only job I've ever been fired from because 
I was in rehearsal for something else. I was singing with the opera chorus in, in right. Baltimore. I was singing at the Shrine. You worked at a Barnes & Noble? I worked at a Barnes & Noble for a month and a half. I feel like there are so many I worked at a Barnes & Noble story. It's like I could not... I feel like being a manager at Barnes & Noble must just be like the most dissatisfying job because you're there i feel just feel like there has to be so much like Turn yeah i worked at barnes and noble and then i went on to be a successful yeah whatever it's such a stepping stone yeah <laughs> but yeah. yeah one one day i i was in rehearsal until 11 30 12 at night for something and woke i had to wake up at six in the morning because i lived miles away i had to mm-hmm. travel really far to get there because uh, I lived up, uh, if anybody knows the Baltimore area, I lived up past the Hopkins campus, and I had to get all the way down to the harbor, and I didn't have a car. Where were you mm. living? I was living up um, up past the Homewood campus. Why? Because I stayed with a woman who had a, a spare room, and it was oh. cheap, right? Oh. Yeah, that's the... Shout out... Um... Women with so spare sh- bedrooms. So many shout-outs. With cheap so rent. So many shout-outs. So many yeah. shout-outs. Um, um, no, but it was great. She owned an art gallery. It was we. She she was Persian, mm-hmm. and so she would cook food, and it was fantastic. I remember this lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're, mm. Yeah. But uh, so I had to I had to spend a solid hour to get to work, mm. and I woke up that morning. I set my alarm, and I just went, no, no, I can't. I yeah. cannot do this anymore. I cannot. Every time I worked that job, I hated it. I hated every single minute of it. I didn't like my coworkers. I didn't like the the bosses. And just then, I I had worked as a barista while in college, um, and so I was working at the cafe there. Well, they decided then, after a month and a half, that I should go and start learning how to, you know file the books and stuff like that in the appropriate way and i was like why mm-hmm. i don't know put them on the damn shelf and sell them what do you, what do you want from me so it just you know I, that was my only side job oh and i worked two weeks after i left baltimore i worked two weeks at a kohl's nice and then i left because i could uh i worked kohl's two weeks and Barnes and Noble. yeah i worked two weeks in september and then october hit and I was like, I can be there four days. And there were like four days a week. And I said, no, four days in October. <laughs> so they just, they were like, you know what? We're not going to fire you. Mm-hmm. We're just going to say you quit. It's fine. Yeah. And I was like, green leaves. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to harken back to, uh, the formal academic education conversation mm. because now that we've prefaced it with um uh my general stance of like if you don't need education then fuck it um are there things that you feel like you've gained greatly during your performing career from your time uh in formal education like are there like what do you think that uh formal classical singing education being someone that it's, has done it your entire life and has spent the uh, a good amount of time traveling as a performing singer. Like, what do you think uh, the, like... And, like, talking with other people that have been in different institutions and stuff, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important kind of thought to have is, like, what do you think that how America trains classical singers? How do you think that... What, what there actually prepares people for what that Looks real like. world is like? Okay. 
Well, I, I should first start by saying, and I mean this in no egotistical way, mm. I am the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. I am not, you should not look at my path and think, oh, well, he doesn't have a degree, okay, bye. Mm-hmm. No. Get get the training. Yeah. Learn how to do this. <laughs> there's so much information out there. And there's so many operas, you know. Look, La Boheme and Aida and Carmen and Tosca, they might not be for you. I have a friend who sings Norma, Abigaile in Nabucco, Lady Macbeth, uh, Santuzza in Cavalleria, mm-hmm. and like three other roles that are not mainstream, like uh, 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 the Queen Elizabeth in, in uh, Roberto Devereux or Anna mm. Bolena, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Not mainstream operas. Yeah. You're not going to learn that if you have just the bare minimum education. If you know the ABCs of opera, you, you need the training. You need to figure out what your voice is. You need a safe place to try things out. Um, and that's what I'm thankful for with Peabody. I was able to try out a lot of repertoire. Um, and it, it, it really, it gave me time and a safe place to, to figure things out. It gave me performance opportunities. And I have a lot of friends who go through four years of college and, and barely get any performance opportunities. Myself included. Uh, I have a wonderful uh, friend that we went to college with. She barely did anything throughout uh, her time there, but she learned to, uh, she, they cast her in a few early music things. And, um, it felt like, though it might not have been the intention, this is my politically correct way of saying this, mm-hmm. it might not be, have been the intention, but it very much felt like a brush off, um, and appeared that way. Um, but she fell in love with it. And then yeah. she went to Yale and now she is performing all over yeah. Just constant. Every time I talk with her, she's constantly performing oratorio and symphonic works, and it is amazing. And she is one of the most talented people I've ever met in my life, and one of the most versatile singers. So it's it's amazing that sometimes you don't you you don't see you, uh, college might not be the thing that helps you get to where you are, mm-hmm. but it might light the fire under your ass to go out there and do it. That was honestly my experience at specifically at Peabody is that I got fucking bubkiss performance wise. Like I wasn't even cast in an opera chorus. What, what's what opera that is that from? Bubkiss. All right. Um, it's a rare Stravinsky opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like I was cast in a scenes program, and that was it. And I actually I was getting toward the end of my time there, and I had to email the head of the opera department, being like. Hey, I'm supposed to be cast in three things, and I've only been cast in one. So I, you need to put me in things before I graduate. Um, and they were like, "Oh, sorry, we forgot. Here, do this." Like, yeah. Um, but what I did learn <laughs> um, was I learned basically I just took the opportunity of a conservatory program and just hung out with every possible type of musician mm-hmm. I could and learned as much as I could about that and just tried to, I was like, okay, if I'm not going to be a performer to Peabody, I'm going to be the most well-rounded fucking musician in the world. And so I think that formal education, like they'll give you credit hours 
and they'll mm-hmm. give you a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where my head was at with uh, that question. Is just like, it just seems like it's not like it's it's such a strong for people that are like starting out or like just starting to to learn about any art field even. It's so much of a, a desire to like be able to compartmentalize what you are into like what this path is going to lead me to be a successful this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's never that. Like what you do in college could end up having nothing to do with um with what you end up doing outside of college. Well, how many singers in our in our class that we went to are still singing? Like Phew. four or five, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and how many of them are still singing opera? Yeah. You know? And it's fine. It's I don't think that there's any any shame in that. I no. think that there's there's a lot to be gained from having this I mean, we have a friend who who got her degree and then went to law school, too. Several, several friends who went to law school yeah. after getting uh, vocal performance degrees at Peabody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, good on them. Because they are... If, if they turn around and get a case representing a singer, then they'll understand what, what we go through, what we yeah. have to deal well, with. And it also has to do with the benefits of a musical education Mm -hmm. and there are you know or any art definitely preaching to the choir here but Mm -hmm. just like countless studies of how studying music is so incredibly beneficial to every aspect of learning oh definitely and how like it teaches you empathy it teaches you a relationship with languages it it, like teaches you adaptability it's like Mm -hmm. it's like Anyone with a musical background is equipped to do pretty much whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so, moving forward, mm-hmm. what do you have coming up? Well, I have a busy spring and an almost bare fall, <laughs> which is a little scary. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Especially because I am taking a big leap and moving to New York City. Uh, As I said before, uh, my partner is a musical theater performer, and we're heading up there because he needs to be out there taking a bajillion auditions a day, and and it'll help me as well. I mean, I won't have to take a two-hour bus ride from Philly to New York, and then a two-hour bus ride home Mm -hmm. from New York to Philly, and, you know, for a five-minute audition, it's a five-and-a-half, six-hour process Uh, (laughs) but um yeah it'll be it'll be great for me um this is the first time in four years that i will have to get a side job uh which uh is scary but um doable barnes and noble no not barnes and noble are you gonna try to get a recommendation from your old manager there definitely yeah especially when i just ghosted on that yeah 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 but you know, I, I may go. I may try to see if I can get hired just from the customer service experience that I have right. as a server, or maybe go back to being a barista. Who knows? I'll, I'll figure it out. Probably get a church job again, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you have some singing credits from New York City too, right? I do. Yes, yeah. I sang uh, with Loft Opera in in Brooklyn. Yeah. And we did Verdi's Macbeth there, and I sang yeah. Macduff. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, that's the thing about 
moving to New York, like my family's all from New York. And so the idea of like moving to Brooklyn or moving to Queens or something like that is really alluring, but it's just like so, so expensive. Well, Queens is, is a little cheaper. Yeah, that's very You true. know, and we're actually moving to Queens because uh, it, it gives us a little distance. You know, it's it's not mm-hmm. on the island. It's just, it, it gives us a chance to feel like we are going home. Right. We get to take a break from audition, the audition area and the performance area, and this is our home area. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we were looking for. Yeah, and it's also not priced to Williamsburg. Yes. Which is really important, I think. Yeah. Um, well, and also, and this is something that I think all artists struggle with, is that fear of, like, what does taking a side job mean Mm-hmm. Is it failure or is it? Which I don't see it as failure. No, you know? of I course see it it's as, not. as as an, a smart economic choice. You know, if I don't have, I, I have one concert in uh, the end of September, beginning of October, um, and it pays well, um, but it's not enough to pay my rent from September through December. Right. So. I have to figure out something else. So I get a church job. I might look for a synagogue job uh, because I'm Italian, so I can pass off as Jewish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am. I'll get a side job, you know, maybe as a barista or something, and just make money. And another thing that we have to do is we shall have to shell out money for applications, for auditions, for young artist programs. Mm-hmm. As I'm still auditioning for certain young artist programs, uh, and a lot of auditions for smaller opera companies, they ask you to bring your own accompanist, which oh, is right. 35 bucks a pop right there. Yeah, absolutely. So. No, I am... Um... For those auditions, question for you, mm-hmm. for those auditions, do you also have to pay an application fee? No. Okay. No, um, but your, your manager pays for the time slot in the room. And then do you then pay your manager that no. money? No. Okay. I pay my manager the commission that she gets from if I get the job. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So she has me on the roster in the hopes that I will right. get work so that I will pay her. And would you not get that audition without management? Some you can, some you can't. You and know? If, if would you then have to pay the, the room slot yourself if no. you didn't have management? No, no. no. Yeah. Um, cool. No, Application I, fees are always something that we're interested in talking about well, there was a huge chicago thing where um a uh a local opera company charged application fees and they posted in like the musical theater group for chicago about it and it fucking blew up the musical theater community was like what the why fuck? the fuck would we audition why would the fuck would we pay to audition for this you yeah. know it's it's something that that has been discussed constantly it's and you know it's hard. It's hard when you are paying to be to sing for these people for the small chance to get the role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to 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 stomach that. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like paying for a job interview. It is, and as much at the end of the day, I mean, as this may, I, I may come across as shallow or something from this, but I am not in a place to fight it right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will praise up and down any company that does not make you pay a fee. And there are certain companies that only make you pay a fee if you have the audition, like mm-hmm. Wolf Trap, 
which I, I think is smart. You know, what they use that fee for is to rent the room yeah. and to hire the accompanist. Um, but also you kind of think you look at a budget of some of these companies and you think, well, you can't. Isn't this just a drop in the bucket? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you also have to think. Uh, this is another thing that, that companies will say. Uh, they they hire people to come in and listen to the recordings and, and go through your qualifications and see if you check off enough boxes to then be heard for a live audition. Mm-hmm. It's not always just the people who are sitting in the room listening. Sometimes they just don't have time. Mm-hmm. So they have to hire people to come in and listen to the, all these recordings. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like almost like a, like a, an audition consultant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that you you just hire you have to pay people for their time. For right, that. of course. You know, yeah. do I think it's right? No. Do I think it's something that that I can change on my own? No. Is so. it something that a Facebook status will change? No. No. A Facebook group would change. No. It is something. What if that... you wrote a, co- a Facebook status and said copy and paste at the end of it? Well, I mean, yes, but most people would just share it anyway because they wouldn't <laughs> copy and paste. <laughs> Assholes. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, yeah. it's something that a lot of. <laughs> It's something that a lot of companies, there has to, it comes down to the management of the companies. They all have to, they all have to say, no, we're, we're going to put an end to this. Uh, and that's the only way that it will happen. I would be really interested in talking to the head of a company who charges audition fees. And like, it would have to be the head of a company that would be willing to have that conversation with two poor artists yeah. well it's and it's hard because it has become an embarrassing subject for people because it it makes pe- it we we are always all the singers are the ones who are like no we shouldn't have to pay no um we're poor we want to be paid to sing why yeah. should we pay to for five minutes of your time but uh, <sighs> You know, and then they can turn around and say to you, look, we're in a failing business. We are working to try to keep art there. You know, our budgets are so, you know, tweaked that we have to, like, every little cent counts. But at the same time, like, for instance, a young artist program that receives 1,800 applicants Mm -hmm. and they charge them each $50. Mm -hmm. Like... I'm bad at math, but that's a shitload of money. Yeah, it is a shitload, it is of, a shitload of, money. of money. And I think that that is, it's, I think to, to a certain extent, um, there's a case by case aspect to it. But I also think that there are probably some general things that you can kind of recognize at like, at the level of when you look at all of these companies together, you're like, maybe this isn't great. And I, I, I also think that while I understand the, um, the thought of coming from it, like, well, this is potentially a failing endeavor opera um I, I don't know if i necessarily agree w- with that hearing but like what I, what i am more th- wondering is like maybe we then need to look at what we're doing on the back end you know like what how are we building audience how are we making opera more accessible how are we making filling houses how are we making it so that people continue like how do we keep the um this is a conversation they've been having an opera forever keeping the age lower or younger you know what i mean so it's it's not like we're aging out of like opera's not being aged out of 
Um, and I mean, that's, I think, uh, as far as like me having thoughts on major opera houses, um, I'm going to preface by saying that I have very little experience with like major, major opera houses, but I will say that, um, the solutions need to come from a different place because it's, you're, you're not going to fund your season with application fees, even if it seems like you can by charging 1800 people, $50 each. Well, I don't think that they're looking to fund their season. With right. Yeah, yeah. I think they're, like they're definitely looking to just, uh, to, to at least get rid of the cost of them going to the audition and, and the pianist right. and the, and renting the room in one of the places that, you know, there, there are two places in New York where people hold auditions. Um, and, they're always looking for a place that uh, people are always looking to rent in those two buildings. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not in charge of, of opera companies budgets. Uh, I, w- I would hope that they wouldn't um, use the funds to pay for their flight right. or their, you know, their hotels and stuff mm-hmm. like that. When that is something that can be written off in their taxes yeah. or dinner or something like that. But I, it's difficult. It's really difficult when you are in there taking these auditions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You can't. You're, you're you're over you're over a barrel. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. You just have to do it. You have to go for it, and and hopefully one day you'll be in a position where you can fight for it. Mm-hmm. Well, and also it's not like you not auditioning thing auditioning for things is like it's it's a hard thing to boycott. Yeah. Because if you don't take the auditions, they don't know who you are. Exactly. And then you don't get the job right. and you can't and then you don't have the credits and you can't get to a level where you can make a difference. Yeah, and I guess for me, the only thing I and I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I think that's what we need to be doing is having the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, um like I I I would hope to see more um more reputable people than us like like being open to these kinds of conversations and and trying to figure out what we can actually do well open to the conversations but also having singers not just say we shouldn't pay for applications we shouldn't we shouldn't do this and stamping their feet and 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 all that well what does that do Mm. you shouldn't okay you're right it sucks um but i mean what are you gonna do i do hope that if like some like 20 something singer sat down with the head of the lyric that the conversation wouldn't go that way but i but i i don't know i mean like that's an interesting thought too well it like mostly, how that conversation would even look what i mostly see is yeah. people uh, complaining about it on on the classical music facebook groups and stuff like that which again we've we've covered this what does that do mm-hmm. what does that do except get everybody riled up and angry and complaining about it mm-hmm. and it's an echo chamber Yes. Just, again, it has to come from the companies. Well, and what I'm wondering is that I know that these companies have a presence in these groups to some extent. To some extent, To some extent. And so they they must see the dissatisfaction. And so that's why I'm so curious to just. Well, for every dissatisfied. Um, singer. There's someone willing there, to pay it. Yeah, there's 20 singers willing to pay it. Right. And 20 singers willing to... Uh, who are lucky enough to be born into money. Right. right. You know, something that I... 
I have dealt with for the past four years is I've, I've dealt with these applications constantly. I've dealt with paying 20 bucks to get back and forth from New York um, and sometimes going two or three times a week. It sucks to shell out that money. And then the $35 for the accompanist, which I will never complain about because no, they are doing their job. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a different beast. I've never, I, I've never had a an extravagant savings account. I mean, it, if I save money, it's because I came back from a big gig. Right. And I got paid at the end of it. So I put away some money and then slowly just chisel away at it until mm-hmm. it's suddenly gone. So I've never been one to save money and I I used to really be upset with myself over it until I went through my bank statements and realized that I'm putting out so much money for this career. But I can't say it's not worth it. You know? That's a good note. To, so um, the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be that. Uh, mm-hmm. We also like are open to like shout-outs to other people doing... Obviously, we're open to shout-outs. Of people, other people doing dope work, um, <laughs> favorite self-care things, you know, favorite... Uh, I always say TV shows. You know, you always are like, can you think of something better than that? <laughs> um, <laughs> books, music, things that you're consuming... Well, um, so yeah, so self completely self serving and also yeah. I actually have a, a, a shout out that I'm actually really proud of. Uh, my parents are starting a young artist program, the Penn Square Music Festival, and they are not charging an application fee. Yeah. Uh, they are in the fundraising state, so if any of your listeners are in the mood to donate, that'd be great. <laughs> Um, but they are, it is based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful performance opportunity. And one of the things that they are doing that is in their budget, not only not charging for application fees, but they will be housing and feeding their young artists. They cool. will be housing them at a college campus. And part of it is they will be the, they will have the passes to the cafeteria there, which is going to be really that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, most young artist programs, yeah. you're on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're staying with an old lady and you're going grocery shopping. Yep. Um, are there, is there like a social media stuff presence for that stuff? Soon. It's coming up. It should be up in about two weeks. Cool. Uh, hopefully sooner. We'll share it through the, please, through the website. Please, please. That'd be that'd great. Be it's it's um, uh, brand new. Uh, it's a couple years in the works. Uh, all, obviously, it all depends on funding and when things come in, but uh, they'll be doing a lot of awareness concerts and things like that in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Cool. So, yeah. And do you have a, um, a public social media presence? Uh, I do. My Facebook page, Peter Scott Drackley, um, and my website, www.peterscottdrackley.com. It's all pretty easy. It's just my name. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are a ton of ways to do that. You can head over to, over to scopymag.com. That is our site. We have articles there, mostly older, um, but extremely exciting, very interesting from a bunch from Chicago, a few from different parts of the nation. Um, the nation. The nation. Uh, if you want to keep up with us on Facebook, uh, social media you can do that in a couple different places uh, on Facebook we're under Scopy Magazine on Instagram and Twitter at Scopy Mag um, I also want to give a shout out we are uh, coming up so soon 
to our summer programs, I think our, our summer uh, series, rather, summer, uh, we're calling them Scopy Sessions. And um, we're going to be performing two days a week in two different venues in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, for three months. So that's, you know, uh, what is that? Three times four <laughs> times four, three. Three times... Two times four. Two times four. Eight times three. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. So 24 performances over oh, this period no, of Oh, no, 22, because there's going to be... A week off. A week off. We're going on vacation. Um, uh, yeah, and we're really excited about it. We're going to be over at, in Pilsen at Nightcap Coffee and um, at the Red Line Tap, soon to be Buffalo Bar. Um, yeah, and we've got a ton of stuff planned. Um, th- we're doing... We have now three different culturally specific recital programs that we're mm-hmm. doing we're doing a latin composers all performed by latin performers on july 11th on july at, 11th uh, nightcap coffee in mm-hmm. pilsen we are doing a black composers performed by black uh performers on july 27th, 27th. uh and then at buffalo bar mm-hmm. and then we're also doing a filipino compo- uh, art songs performed by filipino singers on july 6th yes uh so that's a at big highlight buffalo bar July 4th, we're doing a giant uh, 4th of July kind of block party thing. We're working now about figuring out how just how big we want that to be. We kind of we have a pretty good idea of how many performers we we're have We're trying for to it. decide if we want to keep it contained into a building or if we want to like bring it into the streets and like contact food trucks. Yep, and like get a permit and all that stuff. So that's something you'd be interested in. Um, we'd need, I think we'd want to feel like we'd have at least 50 to 100 people that would be able to attend that. We would need a shitload of you to show Absolutely. up. We would Absolutely. need every single one of you to show up. Yeah, today. so just uh, let us know if that's something you're interested in. Uh, the other thing I'm really excited about, I'm about halfway done um, securing all the performers for it. But um, during our first week, we're actually going to be putting on the Vivaldi Four Seasons. Um, and I haven't announced that yet. Uh, it's something I've been working on a lot. Uh, Oya Prohorova, who is a fantastic violinist that uh, went to Roosevelt with me, is going to be playing the solo part. Uh, and it's kind of a dream of mine to hear those live and have produced it and kind of like record it. And um, so I'm I'm extremely excited about that. Uh, that's going to be at Redline Tap. So it's going to be like Buffalo in a, bar. at Buffalo Bar. It's going to be in a bar, uh, a full-on chamber uh, Vivaldi Four Seasons. And... Um, yeah, so keep posted for that. Um, cool. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. Uh, we are looking at producing 22 concerts this summer, which is no small feat. Um, as Peter said earlier, if you are in the donating state of mind, it would be of great use to us. Um, if you head to our website, I'm actually looking at our website right now. If you go to scopymag.com, Go to our About section. You're going to see a very nice picture of the hallway between the Jackson Red Line and the Jackson Blue Line. Go ahead, scroll down to the bottom of that, and you're going to see two options for donations. The first one is the Subscribe button. The second one is the Donate button. If you become a monthly subscriber for as little as $5 a month, we're going to give you a shout-out on the show. You're also going to have access to any performances that we put up in our apartment, which is more than you would think. I'm going to make hummus, we're going to have shitty wine, and we're going to hang out and listen to some really awesome music. Um, If you do a one-time donation and you give us your address, uh, we'll give you a handwritten thank you note. If not, we'll email you and just gush. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep.